recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with Coach Rene Dreyfus and Matt Peters. Ring the bell and let's get it on. Multitasking. I did it. Hello. We're back again. Another episode of the Martial Culture Podcast. I don't know what episode we're on. We are on, I think this is uh, 12 or 13. Sounds right. Yeah. Something Let's like that. We, we've been doing this for a bit. Um, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing good, too. Yeah. Back again on Sunday. Back in our normal time slot. Yes, our normal time slot. That's wonderful. <laughs> You're not going to hear the end of that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't expect to. Don't worry about it. Uh, uh, so the, the, we, we can't recap a UFC event because it did not happen. The UFC uh, fight night is tonight. Um, with Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, I, I put a little spin on that one. Cerrone. That's not how you say and, it. And uh, Yancey Medeiros, right? They're the headliners. Yeah, yeah. It's um, pretty good. And, uh, and um, who else is fighting? Uh, you said it was... You um, can go down the list, but I'll pronounce their names wrong. Uh, the heavyweight guys or, or light heavyweight. It's a small card. Yeah. It's tiny guys. Derek Lewis and Marcin Taibura. Yeah, that's uh, that's like 205, right? Two, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're big guys. Yeah, Francis Trinaldo, Francisco Trinaldo, and James Vick. Yeah, so I, I yeah I look forward to watching tonight, um, and uh, we'll talk about it in the next cast, right? But um, one thing I went to see Black Panther last night, which was a fun movie, mm-hmm. and uh, surprising, funny enough, at a pivotal scene, the guys uh, they're they're doing jujitsu, so it's kind of um, happen- spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm so- no, no, it's no, not no, 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 no. <laughs> but um, they die at the end. No. <laughs> But uh, it's nice to see, uh, like John Wick was a movie that was like this. Um, I think what the movie that started was, was Jason Bourne, where they just were, had a more realistic approach to combat. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's still cinema, and it's not real fighting, and, it, and it's, it's Hollywoodized a little. But mm-hmm. that they're actually using real moves rather than the... You know, we were talking about on another podcast, The Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Wire Work, and, and a lot of moves that are, you know, frankly, performance art. And um, and, and it kind of keys into what I want to talk about today. But it's really nice to see that the, the cinema yeah. choreographers are really drawing upon uh, real fighting styles and uh, and techniques that are actually work. And that was one reason I enjoyed John Wick. Obviously, it was Hollywood eyes, but when you when you see the actors doing moves you practice every day, mm-hmm. uh, it's Very it's cool. a nice feeling. And he put in he, Black Panther was fighting, and, and there was a triangle choke involved. Oh. And uh, but a, not Captain a regular America? triangle choke. There were triangle choke in Captain America. No, Captain America is not in this movie. It's right. just Black Panther. Right. It's, um, but just I don't want to give Wakanda. any 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 spoils away. But and to speaking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the pivotal fight with um, the Winter Soldier was also he he was doing jujitsu. He was on the guy's back and he trapped his arm exactly the way BJ Penn used to trap guys' arms in um, in in MMA. Okay. And it was and then he was putting on a kind of a choke and and they were on a on the the helicarrier or something. But like I said, it, it's nice to see. Uh, in the movies, a more realistic approach mm-hmm. versus the the stylistic and and uh, cinematic approach that was really popular in the nineties. That was you know the more I would say more drawing from uh, the, the Matrix. Con- yeah, yeah, but yeah, that too. But it was even the Matrix. Matrix was like a fantasy world, so you can kind of like mm-hmm. I don't know uh, rationalize it a little bit. Yeah. But when you're when you're saying, oh, this guy's like a you know an assassin, and they're doing like kung fu wire work. That is based out of not even really a martial art tradition, but like Jackie Chan is is a Chinese opera 
tradition mm. where it is it is complete performance. It's basically Chinese pro wrestling. And uh, it's it's fake fighting mm-hmm. with the intent of entertainment, not the intent of to you know um, you know to, to to show what works or to to, to em- emphasize what really works. And people think that this didn't have an impact, but uh, I've seen the martial art world. I've been in the martial art world since, since 1975, and I'll tell you, you know, the karate world was very different in 1970 than it was in say 1988. And one of those reasons was, you know, the the boom of martial art movies, and um, you know, the the desire for people to do high high kicks. And and I remember, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, people people think of me as a grappler, but I, I used to I used to um, train karate very seriously. And I remember, you know, people being not happy in the karate pro school that where I was in at that time because we were a little bit more hard nosed fighting oriented in mm-hmm. in the beginning. And um, they're like, why aren't we learning the jumping, spinning kicks? The, the you know, the things that you would <laughs> the see, cool in, stuff, yeah. the cool <laughs> stuff, right? The things you see in in cinema. Yeah. And and little by little, you saw the martial arts world change, and particularly, but was pre pre UFC, adapt to to the to the to the market. Because obviously the mark the market demand drives demand, uh, demand drives drives you know the product, and so you saw martial arts instructors uh, changing, particularly in the striking arts, obviously uh, changing the way they taught to be much more oriented towards the cinematic moves that are much less effective. I mean, when was the last time you saw a, a you know uh, a flying sidekick in the UFC? I mean, it's like once yeah. in a while, but you know, like very, almost never, and it never, and it never really works. Yeah. It never lags. And then, you know, a jumping, jumping, spinning, you know, 380 kick, you know, it's never happened. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, there's been some jumping, spinning back kicks, but, but rare. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but it, you know, they're very rare. What you should be doing and focusing on are your fundamentals where everybody wants to do flashy stuff. And even in the jujitsu world today, and I'm much more in the jujitsu world, you know, there's an orientation towards flash rather than fundamentals, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a big problem. And and if you're if you're a teacher, that uh, I mean, jujitsu world is still small, and it's reality based in that in that you're sparring all the time. So people like that, but at the same time, there there's always that draw because you have to fight, you have to do what works. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, in the karate world and the taekwondo world, you know, there was an orientation first toward you know towards. Um, these flashy moves because of the movies. And then what you would see, and you saw this in Taekwondo, you saw it in Judo, that the sport changed the rules to make that happen more, to be more exciting. Mm -hmm. And I can speak in Judo, and and it's a real shame that they pile rule upon rule upon rule to uh, improve the chance of high amplitude throws that are much more crowd pleasers. And the desire is to make the martial art more crowd pleasing, and of course, draw more money and fans. Uh, versus, you know, the more ugly and old judo parlance techniques of like a double leg or a single leg takedown, which are now illegal. They're illegal in in judo. You cannot do wrestling takedowns in judo. Hmm. You can only play a certain way, and if you don't, you get disqualified. And I mean, it's not just performance, or they they want that. There's other things too. There's an idea of what good judo should be, but really, the Europeans were the ones who who pushed this and they're like we want to maximize fans because the more fans we have the more tv time you have the more tv time you have the more money goes into the sport 
and the you know then the the big wigs in the sport get a little bit richer yeah. and i mean they i think they they're not corrupted they they're looking to to grow the sport too but they're willing to sacrifice functionality for flash and yeah. taekwondo is the rule system is like that too you know but it's not just taekwondo it's, it's a lot of arts mm-hmm. and you see the 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 the, the cinema martial arts really detracted from the martial the actual martial world you're like oh well who cares the other thing is you talk to regular people and they're like well that's that's of course she's you know my little judy is a black belt in taekwondo or black belt in karate and i don't mean to pick on karate or taekwondo it could be anything you know it could be whatever and then you know she's like oh she'll kill you with one punch i'm like little judy who's 105 pounds and you know 11 years old really Really, you believe they that? They taught her the death touch. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, but but <laughs> but you know, they they're 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 not educated, obviously, and they're they're what they see of martial arts is cinematic, mm-hmm. and they think that's reality. So you know, obviously, the the media culture has a tremendous influence on on our perceptions, and and until the UFC, most people had no idea. Most people who weren't in fights on a general regular basis, mean normal people, had no idea what was functional in a fight and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. And m- the experiment of mixed martial arts or, or you know, NHB in the beginning was um, which is mind blowing. You're like, oh, wow, grappling really works, which nobody thought. You know, the least popular martial art in America before the UFC were the grappling martial arts, were jiu-jitsu and judo. Judo was very, very unpopular in, in America. They're great practitioners, but in terms of raw population, population of judo players was nothing. Yeah. Still still low, yeah. you know, and, and jiu-jitsu is taking over, but what drove jiu-jitsu is, you know, generally it started as the UFC. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, and, and thanks to the UFC, people are like, oh, this stuff really works. This is, I, I, need, to, I need to know how to wrestle. Yeah. I need to grapple. <laughs> no and also, yeah, nobody would think of wrestling as a martial art. Man, wrestling's a real martial art. Put your phone in airplane mode. Sorry. Okay. So that's my, that's my um, take on that. Is there a movie that you would say is the best uh, representation of um, real martial arts fighting? Like a Western movie, like we could go to the East and find a lot, but is there any? Western no, actually, movies? Eastern movies are almost all rid- ridiculously really? terrible. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, most of the movies come out of China, and they come over that Chinese opera tradition, okay. the wuxia tradition. I think it's called. I don't know the, the you know the the roping. So rope Super Cop is not a great example. Yeah, you know, I've Chan. never seen that Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> no? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I would say, um, recently, a more recent movie. If you ever did you see the movie Drive. Yeah. There was an Ryan elevator Reynolds. fight scene. That that was like really kind of real, you know, like that was gross and real. Mm-hmm. Um the, the um you know all the all the fights, I can't think of one right off the bat. I guess Fight Club was pretty good, you know. They they was more backstreet. Yeah, backstreet, right? Yeah, that was like, that was like what fights look like kind mm-hmm. of. Um I think most of the time the movies that are not action movies generally that are serious dramas generally pretty portray violence mm-hmm. the correct way mm-hmm. when they're action movies they go more cinematic and, and a little more silly what warrior did you see warrior yeah that was good i saw that mm-hmm. I, yeah that's a good point and but again it was um it was an mma movie yeah, so, so of course have they have to do it right right there you know but there was that um mma movie where the techniques were just terrible um mm-hmm. never back down yeah, that's I it, right? It. it was terrible. Like it was all like yeah, you know, interesting, terrible. Well, and, the the best movie with martial arts in it is obviously Karate Kid. Or no, the next Karate Kid. Sorry, with uh, Jaden Smith. 
Did you see they're redoing that? Or they're not redoing it. They're making a sequel to Karate Kid. <laughs> Did you see that? No. That's called uh, Cobra Kai. Oh, right, 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 right. It's going to be a YouTube series. Oh, it's going to be, yeah, yeah, they're bringing back. And they got the, you know, Ralph Macchio and... And the other guy. Yeah, the other guy. Sorry, the other guy. So, no, obviously, no, Karate Kid is not a great representation. No, 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 it is not. Or martial arts. Though I think it tried to be respectful, and that was good, and tried to show some martial values. You know, and and I appreciate that. It wasn't a bad movie, per se. And, you know, it's the underdog, and it's a nice story. But... But uh, it, it, it's and, and also the fight scenes in that movie are tournament fight scenes, so yeah. they weren't like. Well, he won the tournament with yeah, right. a kick to the head. Right, but that's that's, it. that's a real kick. That's yeah, the kick that the, you can't do kicks to the head. That was one of the rules they had. Oh, really? Oh, I don't. I, when they when yeah. they set up the tournament, there was no head kicks. Well, the other guy, you know, kicked him in the leg or something. So there was no rules at that point. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But you know, um, so so Sorry. so no no no. So you know, my my point is that that. Um, we live in in um, in this this mass media culture, and we are bombarded with um, a lot of a lot of media, whether it's video, YouTube, whatever uh, movies. And w- before the UFC, we we did not have an understanding of what what a real fight looked like. Mm-hmm. And and some people thought pro wrestling was real. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, people thought pro too, wrestling man. was real. I did. Yeah. Oh, you did. I did. <laughs> I mean, you know, they used to market. I, I, I say, to you, I don't know how old you are, Matt, but they used to market pro wrestling as as being real. I remember this is, goes back to 1984, where uh, remember, yeah, it was. I think it was Geraldo Rivera. No, it wasn't Geraldo Rivera. It was another one of those, those like kind of like slightly sleazy, yeah, yeah investigative, but slightly sleazy. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, I forgot his name, but he confronted a pro wrestler and said, you know, what you. Is what you're doing real? And the guy goes, of course it's real. And then smacked him in the head and actually injured him pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that, you know, so that, at that time in 1984, they were like, you know, trying to make believe it was real. You know, the only reason they stopped saying it was real is for like tax purposes. Because when they said it's sports entertainment, they got a big break on taxes. Uh-huh. So they said it's not sports, it's sports entertainment. It's entertainment, sure. so we have to pay less taxes. Yeah. I mean, I always thought it was... I mean, obviously, the, what they always say now is that the it's scripted, but the moves are real. To a degree, like they're actually hitting people, open fist and stuff like that. So it's not, uh, it's not fighting by any means. Maybe. It's it's dancing, yeah, with style, and sometimes you make contact with each other. Yeah. They're athletes for sure. They're performers. I don't know if you would consider a Cirque du Soleil performer an athlete, which if you did, that would be great. I think I definitely yeah, would. They're very I think physically. Our, yeah, I mean, some people their definition of athlete is very limited, mm-hmm. um, meaning you compete, you compete. So in That's Cirque du Soleil, no right, there's no competition. So, they, But it depends how you define athlete. I mean, if you're just a, a, a person who runs down the street for your own personal you know, enjoyment, are you an athlete? Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Maybe instead of athlete, they're athletic. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, and they're all If I met The Rock, I wouldn't challenge them to a fight. All com- com- <laughs> they're completely you know, chemically enhanced, too. Oh, of course. God. Um, they're not sanctioned by anybody. There's no, no, there's no oversight there. No, no, no. I mean, the amount of ex-wrestlers that die every year from... Really early, like yeah. forty years old, they're dropping right. dead. Terrible. There's no reason that, <laughs> besides, steroids, you know. But you know? but it's it's funny. We we I, I wasn't planning on talking about pro wrestling, but it's kind of funny that we're talking about pro wrestling, and it brings me to exactly what I want to talk about today. And and I want to touch on the Olympics because you know we we're watching the Olympics all week, and I was watching with my wife, and we we're watching some um, 
you know Sean Sean White. Mm-hmm. He, did you see his his uh, performance? On uh, the, not this year. Oh my really god, he, the kid is amazing, and yeah. um, and he does just some amazing things, doing like you know, three sixties and four eighties and ten nineties or whatever <laughs> in in the the, the the snowboard, and 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 we're watching figure skating, and you know, I'll be honest, I I don't find figure skating. I'm not an enthusiastic fan of it, though I can appreciate them as 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 athletes and performers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can really appreciate what they do, like you're saying about pro, pro wrestling. But, um, you know, uh, and, and I said, I looked at myself and I said, when I see the guy jump, uh, it, it's an amazing thing. And then when I see them perform, you know, these more graceful ballet, ballet, ballet-like movements, mm-hmm. you know, I, I look at it and I'm just sort of like, okay. And, you know, I think some people find that entertaining. And it brings me to something about martial arts. Now, um, you, you, you've never studied martial arts seriously, and you've certainly never studied karate. In the karate world, or in, even in the kung fu world, there's a lot of things, uh, things called forms, uh, katas. Are you familiar with those? Where yeah, like cho- chore- yes, right, right, exactly. Choreographed movements, uh-huh. a pattern of like punch, kick, punch, kick, move around, this, this, this. Yeah. And they're... Um, there are these choreographed patterns that you memorize and you mm-hmm. do in the air. And uh, there's a competition circuit that developed that who can who can do these best. So that in, in your karate yeah, in, in your karate world, there would be like um, the kumite, the, the fighting side, that, that competition, which again it's sport competition, it's point competition. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, the Jean Claude Vadam Kumite, you know, where no, every, blood sport, yeah, yeah. nothing like that. <laughs> but um, and then on the other side would be the kata. And or the forms or in Taekwondo Pumse or uh, what, you know whatever you want to call it, where you perform these bal these choreographed movements, and you, the people judge you on your form, mm-hmm. and the the you know it's just like you know uh, 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 you know ice you know two point five two point five two point five three point oh oh he's the winner you know <laughs> you know just like in sure. you know ballet or whatever or I mean uh, ice dancing or whatever and. Um, so I, I grew up in this world, and I was never really interested that much in the forms, but it was something you had to do and I competed in it. And um, one time, I'm I'm sitting with uh, with one of the older older instructors, uh, not instructor, but but an older older black belt who big on the competition circuit. And he we're doing this kata, and he says, "You should do a kata like this, this in this movie, you should do it like like this." And he's like, and then you just kind of stand there, you just kind of do the stance like this and this and this. And he's like, "Tell me everything I should do." And he says, it makes it look much better. Mm-hmm. And it really, really makes sharp and good. And I'm like, would that be something you want to do in a, in a real fight? And he said that. He's like, hmm, you know, I think probably not. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, probably you would not. And then I said, well, why are we doing it? He's like, well, it looks good. Huh. And I'm like, wait, so what looks good in this format is something you would never want to do in this actual fighting? Well, isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 we get into the um, an issue of. Um, are you familiar with the the the, the with the, the term semiotics? No. Semiotics is the study of you know kind of cultural signifiers and imagery, and I'll, I'll read the exact definition here. Right. So semiotics is. Um, uh, here we go. I was thinking um, symbiotes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the same root, right? The study of signs and symbols and their use or interpretation. So, um, I'll give you an example. Now, let's let's move away from uh, from 
uh, martial arts for a second. And if I do, you know, something in, in ballet, like, you know, you do this. And this, this movement has some meaning to you. You, you can see that you, you have some cultural background in, in our Western culture. And you know, if I did this, and I'm, guys, I'm reaching my hands up over my head. Doing like a pot of beret? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the word Right, right. And, uh, you know, you know that's kind of a ballet-like sure. movement. We've been brought up to understand that movement as a symbol of graceful dance. Mm-hmm. For example, and let's take it down a notch, like twerking. <laughs> is a meme. Do you want me to do it? <laughs> can I'll you do it. do it? No, I can't do it. I just shake. Hold on, is the video camera on? <laughs> no, I'll turn it off. <laughs> um, but this is a, it's, cu- yeah. it's a cultural meme. A, a, and, and let's define that the term is meme is a, is a, a um, let's get a definition here, official definition of the word meme. Uh, so we're, we're uh, an element of culture or system of behavior that may be considered to be passed from one individual to another hmm. so by non-genetic just, means. So it's not just a cat picture. No, it's no. But, okay, but it's, so it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. It's a real a meme. Is <laughs> but it's a picture is a meme. But so yeah. is is are these these blocks of information that mm-hmm. we we associate with our lives. For example, if you see someone twerking, you're like, oh, that's twerking. I understand that is that thing. Yeah. And and what is that for? It's a symbol of. Um, you know, enjoyment of the movement of dance and also obviously eroticism, things like that. And we associate that. I, and I, I think if you, but if you were an alien who just popped off an earth <laughs> and never grew up and you're like, Oh, somebody's shaking her butt. What does that mean? I don't care. It's like, it's like, imagine you looking at a, at the, 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 um, the, uh, mating rituals of, of marsupials. It means nothing to you. Hang on. I'm thinking about it. It's weird. I need to get back to this. <laughs> yeah, no, but but the yeah. mating rituals of marsupials don't. Yeah. But they 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 have their own memes. They own you know the peacock flare. You know we have our own um, these these discrete bodies of um, these ideas. These things are floating around in the ether in, in our culture. Mm-hmm. These cultural signifiers that we understand. And if you're from another culture. You understand that if I do this, and guys, I'm, I'm blowing my body 45 degrees. If in Asian culture, that's a bow, and you understand that as a sign of respect. If you never grew up in an Asian culture, you would not, not understand that. What is, why is he leaning over at me? Or what, is, what is he doing? You know, like, and, and, and sometimes cultural misunderstanding comes in. So we have these cultural memes, right? Now, how, how does this apply to martial arts? So let's define... Um, what we what we what we do in, in 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 this let's take ice dancing like or what I was watching with my wife the other day, and so there's when you look at it, have you ever watched you know the sky skating? Mm-hmm. It's pretty graceful, right? Yeah. Why do you think it's graceful? Because they don't seem to show any effort. They just do things, and it's wonderful. like wonderful. Yes, exactly. It's efficient body motion when mm-hmm. they do like a three sixty and land in perfect balance. Yeah, and it's gymnastic. Or athletic grace. That's number one. And mm-hmm. as a guy, it's funny you should point to that point. That's the same point that I look at. When they're doing their twirls, when Sean White in the in the uh, snowboard jumps on his snowboard and flips 360 degrees around, you're like, wow, that is athletically graceful. Give that guy a medal. Yeah. I mean, that that is amazing what mm-hmm. he can do with his body. And the efficiency of what he does is unbelievable. You're like, how does that guy... You know, maintain his balance, his poise, spin 360 degrees or however many times and land perfectly on that snowboard and boom, or the, the ice skate, skate or whatever. Mm-hmm. How do they do that? That is athletic grace. That's one type of grace. 
and it has something to do with we understand what efficient body motion is. And we culturally understand it. Now, if I went like this and I did a gorilla dance, that would not be very graceful. <laughs> or if I if I you know if I jumped up and down like you know like I'm on crack cocaine, that would not be very graceful. You're like that is not athletic. That's just crazy person, yeah. right? The same. So we we understand what athletic grace is, and then at the same time, in the in the in the performance arts like ice skating, you have cultural signifiers which signify grace, like you know lifting your arm and you know, doing something like this and I'm mm-hmm. doing like some dancing movement, Fluid which is not movement. very graceful. Yeah. Like, leave it to your imagination. <laughs> you know, you know, but they have these, that has nothing to do with athletics. It has to do with performance. And it comes out of our cultural understanding of what dance is and what, um, what is, is beauty appealing. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah. when you talk about like ballet dancing and dancing in general, Grace all the way. But then when you talk about river dancing, I'm like, those guys are structured because they don't move their arms. Right, like right. That, that social signal of exactly. grace because isn't there. In the, the, and river dance is Irish, right? Yeah. In, in that culture, they grew up with that. So they grew up with this is how we dance. We leave their we, hands at their side dance. and they hop or we've, we've lost it. But look at the, um, the ballroom dancing of like the 16th century where everybody mm-hmm. was in tandem and they worked and it looks ridiculous to us now, you know, where everybody has these like choreographed movements mm-hmm. and how you moved in your group was very important, but we don't have that anymore. Now it's individual dancing because mm-hmm. our culture has shifted and it kind of looks ridiculous or, or the, maybe the, the, the dancing of ancient Egypt. I don't know. We can't, we can't understand it because we're, we're outside of that culture. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, studying those things that they do is the semiotics right studying these 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 cultural signifiers so if i you know uh put my hand up in a certain way and you see that and you all you people recognize it it means you have a common cultural root Mm -hmm. and you are signifying something by that and so there's grace that is athletic which is almost objective like if you can jump up do a 360 and land on your feet in perfect balance. Any human being can look at that and go, that's pretty cool. You know? Now, if you lift your arm up in a certain dance type movement, people who are ingrained in that culture will understand that to be a certain thing, a performance, a cultural signifier of grace. Um, and that changes, right? Now, what the karate world happened is that when they started having these form competitions, the emphasis was on certain cultural signifiers of martial boys, mm. not martial prowess, cultural signifiers. And I'm going to do one right here for Matt right now. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to perform for Matt because I kind of know how to do this because I did it, but I hate it. But I'm going to show you what I mean. And and it's called you know the, the, it's good good zanshin in, in the, the martial art world. So so I'm going to kind of take my mic off and do it. Right, I'll try to to describe what he's yeah. doing. And Brianna, can't you do these too? Didn't you take Taekwondo classes? You could do those. Oh, he's breathing. He's moving his. Oh boy. He's getting ready to punch somebody now. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of like, did you see what I was doing with my eyes? And I kind of like pretended to be a you tough were guy. in there, yeah. Yeah, right, right? Yeah. But that's acting. Mm-hmm. That is acting. That does not mean I am a tough guy. Now, I have a video, and I would like to show you, but I'll post it, of this little cute, adorable little kid. And she's Japanese. 
and she is the uh, national, the world, actually, I think it's the world forms champion in a certain style of karate. I think it's a JKA, which is an organization karate. She is a form champion, and she has all these expressions of, like, you know, that the, that the samurai do. And it makes sense in the Japanese culture. If you ever watch Japanese samurai movies, whenever the guy cuts him down, he goes, Ugh, and he looks, and he's like has this, like, super cool look. And then he flicks his blood off his sword, and he puts it back in his thing, and, it, and he's all, like, you know, Miyamoto Musashi cool, you know? <laughs> and he's like, this is a cultural signifier of cool and, and lethal, but it's not lethal. It's just a signifier of lethal. Mm-hmm. And these performance arts... I mean, the performances became very, very, very important. Very important. And they kind of take over your training. When I was in the 80s, the, um, the, two, the two, um, arbiters of your skill in, in martial arts were, this is going to laugh here, right? But depending on the style, so each style was a little different. In Taekwondo, because I did, I did practice with some Taekwondo people. The first person thing someone would ask, and this is instead of asking, like, how you could, how tough you are or how much you win, it's like, can you do a full split? So they, they'd size you up by asking if you could do a full split because it was a cultural signifier. You're not the man if you can't do a full split. So Van Damme was the, the well, Van Damme was the man. He yeah. was the man, right? And that's, that's true. Van Damme was the man. If you couldn't do a full split, you missed that cultural signifier. So everybody in the academy, to be the man, instead of actually trying to practice how to fight, mm-hmm. all they would do all day is make sure they could culturally split. In, and this is even more ridiculous, okay, in my karate world, it became also how you wore your uniform. So you had to like, it became this this weird cult cla- um, thing. It was like, okay, your upper gi, everybody, you know what the gi is, mm-hmm. the pajamas, right? The upper gi <laughs> would have to be really low and your belt would be long and, and a certain amount of worn out. Like you can't have a new belt, it had to be worn out and the silk had to show. Mm-hmm. And your pants would be wore, wore, brought up a little bit because it became understood well, uh, uh, incorrectly. But that the, the, low, the higher the pants were, the more it was like the ancient Okinawans, right? And then, you know, you'd walk around kind of like, you know, perform, you know, like kind of like not trying to be a badass, but trying to be like Zen-like, you know, like, you know. <laughs> and, and it was this like you'd walk around in this uniform and you're pretending towards you, you're pretending, you're acting these cultural signifiers. And they became what you did. Mm-hmm. And and um, and so many martial arts put so much emphasis on not the objective technical grace, like mm-hmm. the three sitting in the air. Although that's part of Taekwondo too, but not fighting. Can I do a, you know, a, what, what is now called tricking? I don't know if you've heard of tricking. It's mm-hmm. just basically they took the, the martial art out of, the, out of out of it, and they just say, how can I jump and do a 360 or spinning back kick? Not even, you know, just how many tricks can I do that are basically awesome? Like Sean White type stuff, yeah. but without, but more, a parkour. little bit more, more, yeah, like parkour with kicks, right? Yeah. Exactly, right. How can I parkour, right? It's now called tricking. So mm-hmm. they took all the martial art element out, and they just do that spinning back, back flip stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And um, could you do that? Or could you could you wear these? Could you could you make these, you know, cultural fashion decisions almost, or 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 you know, like mental decisions? You carry yourself in a certain way, and I think we all understand that. You know, in high school, you know, if you were a heavy metal guy, you'd wear this this, you know, uniform or whatever, mm-hmm. and you'd act a certain way. You would grow your hair a certain way, and those are all cultural signifiers. We know it. We knew. Oh, this guy with his hair, the mullet, and the denim jacket likes this kind of music and hangs out with these people and he likes to drink, you know, 
Budweiser, you know, whatever. You know, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it's like every, a joke. every click has their own. Right. Every and, group. and and in martial arts, when you don't fight, and we were talking about combatives, you know, last week, and the ridiculousness of combatives or the ridic- and then the other weeks before we talked to ridiculous of, of cheap people, cheap blast people, when you um analyze the the cultures of the martial arts, you see um you, you you can study in a, in in the in a, in, a, in a study the memes of that culture the 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 organisms the mm-hmm. intellectual organisms of that culture meaning like what are the the ideas floating around well MMA gets rid of that it's like you don't have to perform you don't have to do, be even three sixty you just have to win yeah. and and this Fedor was a beautiful example of that he didn't have the six pack because as as a martial artist you know like uh, a long time like Billy Blanks you know era oh, God, was like yeah right you had to have that <laughs> six pack and you had to look cool and mm-hmm. you you had to fly in the air and if you didn't have a six pack you you weren't in shape well you know fighting shape has nothing to do with the six pack there's functional muscles. And then there's, you know, aesthetic muscles. And we, we confuse the two. The aesthetic muscle became the cultural signifier, mm-hmm. not the functional one. And Fedor with his pot belly and his like little bit of a hunch, and he go up and go, I kill you now. <laughs> Boom. And then they'd all die, right? And the same thing, yeah. you know, we were laughing about uh, Roy Nelson, who, you know, is over the hill and all that. But but Roy Nelson, you can't deny he had some him. some yeah legit or 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 Mark Hunt. We were talking about Mark of Hunt course, the other yeah. day, and and his you know the Mark Hunt two point which is uh, Tweed Tavasa. That guy mm-hmm. does not have a six pack. He does not have even a two pack. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a beach ball, yeah. but Sporting he can. I mean, he can fight. Yeah. So one of the great things about the MMA revolution is we've dispersed with all that those cultural memes, all those like. That those weird arbiters of arbitrary arbiters of of martial prowess that had nothing to do with martial prowess. They had to do with performance. Mm-hmm. And um, Chinese martial arts is filled with those because they they um, they come from the you know the kung fu tradition. And and I think that for some reason you know, the katas are very strong and the kata um, the the kata culture breeds this acting kind of thing and you know we were talking about the wire work of the uh, that comes into the movies that filtered into the movies and then that filtered into our understanding of what fighting was before the ufc so we we were we were taken in by chinese pro wrestling <laughs> you know it was chinese pro wrestling right. that and again pro wrestling is filled with the sharpshooter which is everybody is like oh the sharpshooter sharpshooter does not work that's not a real move you know like or you know or the What's the weird one that the guy does? I don't watch. Somebody told me about it. Where the guy puts his hand in front of his head and he's like, I can't see you or something. That's John Cena. I don't know what he does. Yeah, he's just something weird. But well, it's the like the Boston the- Crab. That comes into MMA every now and then. That's true. That yeah, there are some yeah. moves. But that's right. There yeah. are. There's some moves that in, in these, among these memes, right? These cult, that's what techniques are. There mm-hmm. are these intellectual Bridges, organisms yeah. that, that, um, there are some moves from pro wrestling that really work because pro wrestling's origins are real fighting. Mm-hmm. And over time, it became more and more cinematic and, and showy. But the Boston Crab is, is a legitimate movie. If you guys don't know what the Boston Crab is, it's a leg lock where you um, turn your opponent over on his belly and break his ankle. Um, and it's a, it's a leg lock. And um, though not a high percentage move. 
<laughs> you should not be, you know, uh, make, basing your entire martial art game around the Boston Crab. Um, however, that's, that's about one move I got, and that's all I'm yeah. doing. But you know, but when, when people see John Cena, uh, the, and and they know that he puts his hand in front of his face, all his fans know exactly what he's right. doing because they've been indoctrinated in this in this, you know. This dialogue of memes, mm-hmm. like I do this and this is what it is and this is, and it's performance and it's ridiculous, but to the fans, it's not. And, and, you know, we can laugh at that, but at the same time, the martial world was filled with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the cinematic world picked that up because, of course, because it's performance, it looks better on film. Mm-hmm. Performance looks better on film. Real fighting does not look good on film, generally speaking. It's, you have to cut it down because it looks dirty. Mm-hmm. It, it's, can't see what's going on. You know, because the, the the objective of a, of movie producers is to tell a story, yeah. and if you can't figure out what's going on, on the screen, you know, there's no story. <laughs> you right? Two people rolling around on the right, ground. right, right, yeah. Or, or just you know, <laughs> another guy just you know, while you don't see it, the guy sticks his thumb in the eye, and, yeah. and then you don't even see what happens, or or, right. or or you know, like real violence is nasty and brutal, mm-hmm. and and nothing that people really want to see. So of course you're going to move towards that cinematic approach. It's and and that one of the reasons a pro wrestling moved that way is because. Real wrestling was kind of boring. Real submission wrestling was kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And it moved into the fake world. Um, MMA had to institute rounds and certain referee stoppages to stop it from being boring. Yeah. You know, and, and, but if, if people said, okay, no rules, you go in the cage, you go in the cage, like only real hardcore fight fans would probably be interested because everybody would be like, I don't understand what's going on. And how come they're not punching each other? And what are they doing there? And ah, this is boring. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go watch, uh, you know, uh, K1 or something, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever, you know, or, or, or pro wrestling. So you know, they had to institute these these stop gaps to make it less boring, mm-hmm. and and they inter- interfere with the reality of the fight. But you know, not that much. Uh, it's still it's still MMA is still pretty real, mm-hmm. but you don't have these weird stoppages or you know stand ups or or you can't do this technique or can't do this or you're on the ground too long nothing's happening. There's always something happening in a fight, so you can't say nothing's happening. I mean nothing interesting right. to the viewer yeah. is happening. The two combatants something's really happening at every single moment, mm-hmm. and they're struggling for their for their to for their you know the the win. Mm-hmm. Something is happening. They are not bored. <laughs> no, for, but it's, it's to the fans' perspective, obviously. Yeah. The ratings and, are going down. Stand them up. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, you looking at uh, ice skating. It was interesting to see the difference between the um, the actual objective athletic race, and which is not fighting race necessarily. Athletic race, which is you know three sixties or whatever, but it's still objective. Anybody can look at a guy doing something amazing with his body. And appreciate it. And then the performance grace. And performance grace was a part of MMA for so long. I mean, but part of martial arts for so long. And MMA got rid of that. Performance was not important anymore. Although it's still, you know, in the traditional world, it's still there. It's still, like I said, that little Japanese kid um, performing, you know, in the uh, world championship. And she's, she's super adorable. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, her parents probably have no desire to have her actually fight. And I'm thinking what she's doing is bad. Because if she, that makes her happy, great. Just don't tell me that she can kick my ass. Mm-hmm. Because she can't. You know, <laughs> she can't. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, she can't. And, and some people believe that, you know. Um, but um, the other thing is, what is fighting grace? And we talked about Daniel Cormier how, and, and, and Yoel Romero, right? And the two types of movement. And Daniel Cormier is clunky. 
David, they mean Maya too. In striking, they are clunky. Mm-hmm. They're clunky. They don't have grace in their striking. Yo Romero does not have technical striking, but he moves, even if it's complete wrong, fast and just explosive, and he moves athletically. Is not technically correct, mm-hmm. but he moves incredibly athletically. Daniel Cormier and Damian Maya, who are two fighters I totally respect, their level of technical efficiency in the striking, because they're really trying to get hard, really hard, trying hard to get good at striking, but they're not. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, not, not, if they're not efficient. They're not graceful. They, they might be effective here and there. You know, they might get a punch in, especially Daniel Cormier has, has some athletic attributes that, that make him a hard puncher. Damian, Cor- Damian Maia does not. Um, but Daniel Cormier has some at- attributes when he puts his hand on your face, it hurts. Mm-hmm. But you could see that, like we were saying with John Jones, if Daniel Cormier had a striking, striking match with John Jones, 99% of the time, John Jones would beat him. And I, I, I firmly believe that. If, I mean, obviously, like we were talking about before, John Jones didn't come off like a bender or something, you know? <laughs> you know, right? But because... I knew we would mention him at least once in this episode. Yes, I know. I did it on purpose for you because <laughs> oh, you're thanks, a fan. You love John Jones, Go Jones. Right? Yeah, go. Go do some coke. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me just take a drink here. Hold on. But he is, he is trying to absorb that level of gracefulness, that Roy Jones Jr., that Lomachenko. You familiar with Lomachenko? No. He is, I believe, the most technical boxer alive today. Hmm. I love his style. I think he's way better than Mayweather. And I, I you know, his type of boxing would, would do much better in, in MMA than Mayweather's. He is just unbelievable. I posted a video of him on the on the page and, and I don't I'm not a fan of boxing in terms of the sport because of the brain damage, but this man I'll show it to you. Even I showed it, if I showed it to someone who never watched martial arts in life, they're gonna look at what Lomachenko does and they'd be like well, that that's pretty graceful. That's pretty amazing. Mm. You know, that's amazing that what he does there is just it just we as human beings can recognize martial or, or efficiency. We can ref- recognize athletic efficiency. And if I showed someone a picture of Daniel Cormier throwing a, a hook, they'd be like, "That sucks shit." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like it just it, yeah, it hurts. Cormier sucks. Yeah, no, no. I mean, and 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 in wrestling, it's not like that. Yeah. Daniel Cormier, when he wrestles, is a monster, but mm-hmm. he's so hyper evolved towards wrestling that backing off of wrestling and understanding the efficiencies of striking are hard for him which brings me to the point that athletic efficiencies are not always transferable like um and back in my day um uh the famous basketball michael jordan tried his hand at baseball mm-hmm. and he, he he failed miserably mm-hmm. now he is a the god of basketball but his athletic talent was so hyper uh, evolved towards basketball, he couldn't dial it back and reapply it. Or he was maybe older too, but he couldn't reapply it to baseball. Yeah. And um, and so athletic efficiencies are not always transferable. I've had guys come to my academy who are pro- former professional athletes in in football, in um, all different sports. Many baseball. One guy's a former. Uh, he was on the AAA for a long time. Almost made it to the big leagues, but he's a great athlete can run super fast. Even he's older now. Run super fast and move and this. And, you know, I taught him an arm bar and he struggled just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, just like everyone else, yeah, right? It doesn't You're always like, translate. Yeah, it doesn't always translate. And though, though, generally speaking, those athletes, well, you know, they'll pick up a little they faster. Yeah, them. a little faster, right? But, but, uh, but it's still, you know, it's not transferable. Um, like, but if you wrestled, your understanding of jujitsu, if you open your mind, is generally easier. If you did boxing, 
or we did Muay Thai, you understand that boxing is a little easier because, you know, they're kind of related. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, if you did kickboxing, your Muay Thai is going to be a little easier. If, you know, if you did um, one mark that's similar to another, you know, uh, uh, they kind of kind of mm-hmm. can inter- intermingle. But my point is this, you know, um, there's a certain level of athletic combat grace that we understand. And really, MMA is is trying to figure out what that is in the jiu-jitsu world, in the wrestling realm, in the, in the, in the striking, the, the Muay Thai, the, the boxing, the shoot boxing realm, what are the most efficient ways to, to destroy another human being? And, and when we get to those high levels of efficiency, you can look and you're like, wow, that's, that's beautiful. That's amazing. I'll tell you a story of my mom. I, my mom hates MMA. She hates, she hates that I do MMA. She hates MMA. <laughs> she just hates it, right? But I had a fight going on. And this was, this was a long time ago, but it was Cal Parisian who was an amazing judo fighter. I mean, amazing. Fighting um, Diego Sanchez. Remember Diego Sanchez? Mm-hmm. That's just crazy, right? And it was unbelievable fight of tremendous. Does anybody get a chance to see it? You should see it. Cal Parisian launched Diego into the stratosphere with all these amazing judo throws. My mom just happened to be walking by when I was watching it. And she looks and she doesn't look away. And she's sitting there and she's like, wow, that was, she denies it now that she said it because she she denies it, right? But at the time she's like, wow, that's amazing. And then we have this big, she had this chair and she's just sitting there watching him and she watched it for the first time ever. She watched it for about it wasn't five minutes, but it was till the round was over. It was about four minutes straight. She was glued, and she was enthralled by Carl Parisian's immense athletic gracefulness. Hmm. Just like, well, I'm not into ice skating. When I saw this guy, uh, Yuzuru Hanyu, the Japanese guy who just won, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm kind of bored, and then he does this, like, you know, thing in the air, and I'm like, Oh my God, that yeah. is that is amazing. Or Sean White, I've never watched snowboarding in my life. And I watched Sean White and I'm like, whoa, that you can do that with your body is absolutely unreal. Mm-hmm. Unreal. And and it's it's fantastic. And MMA is that. How do we do these amazing efficiencies in each fighting realm? And that's another point that was not always understood by the ancient martial artists. So anyway. I'm going to shut up for a second, and you seem like you have something to say about what I said. So, but, <laughs> oh, putting me on the spot. I wasn't <laughs> no, listening. No, no. <laughs> no, but but I want I want to segue to that other point before I say. But but anyway, do you see what I'm saying about MMA and yeah? Like, have you ever had a, an experience where you watched a fighter and you're like, that was just unbelievable? Definitely. I mean, every time I watch John Jones with the spinning uh, back elbow, like yeah, oh my god, his, his yeah, elbows oh are insane. God, insane, right? And his timing is just perfect. Yeah. Or um. My one of my favorites is um, is uh, uh, T.J. Dillashaw. Now he's not, you know, Mister Snake, mm-hmm. and he moves in a weird way. Mm-hmm. He moves unorthodox, but it's not. It's it's super technical. He's in a position to strike. I mean, he's not perfect. Obviously, Cordy Garbrandt has caught him too, and he's lost some fights. But he's in this position, and you think he's over here, and then he's over there. Mm-hmm. And you think he's over here, and he's over there. Another one is Dominic Cruz, who invented a, a his own unique footwork approach. Based on, funny enough, dancing. No, dancing. Break dancing, because yeah. he was a break dancer, right? Mm-hmm. So he he took he was studied Muhammad Ali very closely. Uh-huh. Then he also had this little break dancing background, and he kind of like played around with it. So he does very weird things with his feet, hmm. and he developed a switcheroo. So switcheroo is like when you switch from orthodox stance to southpaw, your orthodox stance, and he is like right, one to the other, one to the other, and he does this shoulder bump, and. 
some of the things he does I don't think are healthy for his knees, the ones when he goes a little too far. But basically, he created a new style of footwork mm. that was not uh, as appreciated in the martial world as before. Obviously, there were boxers who did this before, too. Um, uh, one of them is an old-school boxer, Willie Pep. He was he was known as a certain move a certain way. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's not like these hadn't been around here, but he put it together in unique ways. And TJ Dillashaw, Cody Garbrandt, all these these newer guys are are doing that and mm-hmm. and um, and just moving around, circumstances, moving this, moving this. The the kick that John Jones does, the oblique kick, that was a kick that was not understood to be effective until he really started. Maybe maybe I think another one person did it before him, but. Guess where he gets it from? Just guess. What martial art? Pick a martial art. Any martial um, art. Whatever you think. He, you know the oblique kickboxing. kick. Kickboxing. It is not. It is actually from Chinese Kung Fu. Hmm. The oblique kick is a standard kick from the, I think it's mostly a southern style Kung Fu thing, right? Hmm. But it is actually efficient. It is efficient. And it really yeah, works. It that really works. Yeah. Versus some other moves that are not efficient. Hmm. And, um, and uh, the sport world Whatever sport, whatever sport you're playing, whether it's 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 um, like we talk about ice skating, whether it's um, uh, the snowboarding, the, the things, whatever, it's a search for the most efficient way to move your body in that context. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if I need to get down the slalom, the grand yeah, from point A to point, point B, B, I'm going to be the most efficient. I'm going to use my body in the most technical, efficient way I can to win. Mm-hmm. And this race, or I'm going to to do this 360, or to you know, to curl. <laughs> but, you know, there's probably some technique to curling too, you know, something. And you don't see these guys like, you know, they're trying to be efficient. They're trying to be utilitarians, to be as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to be performers only. And in some of the sports, the performance element is important, the grace element. But in others, it's not important at all. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's just about getting from the top of the ski slope to the bottom as fast as you can right. and, and technique and efficiency, which we can appreciate. Or, um, you know, get, fix getting the, the, instead of the 360, the, the 480, I mean, the, 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 the 108, 1090, however many, you know. Lots of 80s. Yeah, yeah, right, the 80s, <laughs> right. How many min spins you can do yeah. and, um, and land in, in balance. Right. Um, hmm. Depending on the rules of the sport, sure. you're going to search for that Within efficiency. Yeah. I wonder what it says about me that I like watching figure skating when they fall. That's more exciting to me than no. seeing the 60. You know what? You know what? You know what? I, I, think, um, I think we're always attracted to drama. And you're like, True. how is this guy going to take I'm his failure? I'm also jealous. I can't get off the couch so if I run out hater. of breath. So you're just a hater. I'm just a hater. He's a hater. No, no, but but we whenever we this is I was talking about this with someone yesterday, like uh the Tonya Harding thing. Uh-huh. You know, that 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 like people wanted to watch so much more because it was just a train wreck. Yeah. And then we wanted to see the drama. So I think people are, are really uh Yeah. I guess I'm just a human. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. that's natural. Everybody's like that. You know, mm-hmm. they you know, when there's a car wreck. I do respect their athleticism yeah. and, and when they do succeed, I'm I'm happy, but I'm probably happier when they <laughs> Oh, you mean you want to watch see everybody fall? Everybody. You are a jerk. That is terrible. <laughs> That's terrible. I don't want to see like my loved ones fall. I don't want no, to see you, say, you fall. Shh. Are you sure about that? Well, some days. <laughs> Today we're having a good day. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so <laughs> Oh boy. But um but you know, you know, you I, I'm studying, you know, you look at it from a semiotic standpoint, um, you know, martial arts was filled with these performance cultural signifiers mm-hmm. 
and they are they are just as much uh, uh, garbage as cheap last as and as 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 charlatan combatives that we were talking last night. So yeah. so learning yeah. those katas, yeah. Um, there's it doesn't like painting the fence and and washing the car. Does that ever translate to to fighting? Does what if I just studied katas? No, my entire life, no, 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 and I got no, no. in a fight, I'd get kicked. No, I get kicked. Okay. the shit kicked out of you, okay. and that is the absolute. Even truth. if I'm fighting somebody that has no, oh, no, like, for sure, for sure, for sure, for okay. sure. Right. I mean, I mean, you can't say 100 percent because life doesn't work like that. You can take aspirin, and it won't 100 percent work, but mm-hmm. aspirin works because everything is statistical. We live in a multifactorial society, so maybe that day you ate a big slice of pizza and. Somehow the pepperoni, you know, offset the <laughs> the aspirin, right? You know, like whatever. Yeah. It could be the guy slipped on a banana peel and your, you know, you know, death touch hit him and he died. You know, like yeah. whatever. Anything's possible, but statistically speaking, kata training will never prepare you okay. in any way, shape, or form. So look, like say it like this, say it like this. Will cardio kickboxing? Do you think cardio kickboxing will ever train prepare you for a fight? Uh, no. <laughs> well, you would think that knowing the moves, like. Learning no. how to kick effectively, or I mean, I guess you're not learning how to kick. No, you're not. But, but also, but learning how to kick at all is better than not learning how to kick ever. Like, okay, yeah. something's so, better than so, nothing. So this is getting off a little off topic, but I'll, I'll answer this question. We talked about this before, actually. So, so some of our listeners will remember this guy. But you know, if I took you five minutes, I could probably teach you a pretty decent jab. Mm-hmm. Just take about five minutes. Okay, that's about it. So. Now, I want to ask you, in that five minutes, will you have a jab as good as Roy Jones Jr.? Well, me Absolutely or not. normal people? Oh, no, okay. yeah. no, anybody, anybody <laughs> in the world. Yeah, sure. Nobody. But the jab itself won't be that much different. Mm-hmm. What is different is his experience with the jab, his timing, his movement, his body shifting, his footwork, mm-hmm. his angling, his mental game, his trickery his t- everything his his fast twitch mo- like everything the jab is not mm-hmm. the, key, the key the jab is just a tool like a gun like if you don't practice shooting the gun is not really that effective i mean okay obviously you know you can have a machine gun but i'm talking like you know a, yeah. snipe, a regular rifle right you know like if you don't practice shooting with it you can't hit anything you mm-hmm. the, the jab is the gun it's inanimate you have to learn how to use it mm-hmm. and you have to take time to use it, especially there are different levels of violence. Now, if there's just some dumb three-quarters drunk guy, um, you know, you could push him and he falls over. That is a very low level of violence. Maybe him getting in your face is a level of violence, but it's extremely low. On the violence scale, one to 10, it's a 0.001. Anything could work there, mm-hmm. anything. Now, what about the level 10 where you're getting like, you know, super predator who knows how to be a criminal and he he's did you know 10 years in in uh in rikers and you know he he's a you know street criminal you know and he's really or just some guy who who's 270 pounds and really 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 punches hard and played a whole lot of football his life and just wants to kick the crap out of you Mm -hmm. that's and you're not you're a big guy but say you're 120 pounds. You're fighting a 270 pound guy and he's really aggressive and he wants to kick the rabbit. Those are higher levels of violence. And if you don't have efficiencies, understanding how to use the jab and footwork, that jab means nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's not the jab. It's how you use the jab, right? Yeah. So, so, um, cardio kickboxing, kata, they're all zero relation to fighting. Now, why do katas exist? Why do they exist? And according to my research, 
they exist for this reason, okay? Um, they are not fight-oriented at all. They're exercise. And, um, mm-hmm. But they're exercise with a purpose. Like, let's, like um, let's, say, let's say it's the 12th century. And Matt's like, oh, okay, here we go again. It's going to be boring. <laughs> but let's say it's the 12th century, and you are a Shaolin monk. And that's because let's just do Shaolin monks because, you know, they're cooler than like some Okinawa dude. Sure. Right? You're a Shaolin monk. And, you know, I come to your temple and I'm here Welcome ready. To my temple. Well, thank you. Thank you. Will you let me make me wait outside for five, five days like in the rain? Like Club? Is that what they do? No, no. It was they the do? old, 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 old right, movie. Thanks. The guy did, you know, wait outside for like five. It was a Jackie Chan movie. Well, they did right? in Fight Club too. Oh, oh, right. That's right. They did. I guess they did. I don't remember Fight Club that well. But anyway, so I come to your temple. Now, I am a peasant, let's say. So probably I didn't get enough red meat mm-hmm. or even any red meat, maybe not even meat at all. I'm probably living on gruel, which is generally the diet of most um, middle, mid, m- medieval Asians was uh, medieval Asian peasantry was gruel. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, proven by research because what they did is they found corpses and they went into their bones and they went into bone density and talked and they went into their stomachs and found the contents of meals and they analyzed them. And they said, what did these guys eat before they got killed? And they found that, well, if you're a peasant, most of you, most of the time it was gruel, which is like a mixture of rice and barley and a slop, mm-hmm. you know, like crappy oatmeal. And um, that's what they ate, you mm-hmm. know, and with some little veggies in a little bit, but not a lot because actually if you, especially in Japan, Japan is not a, a veggie paradise. They don't have a lot of vegetables. Why they eat seaweed? Because uh, there's not a lot of vegetables. They're mountain vegetables, which they eat in their diet a lot. Mm-hmm. But they're like basically roots because they don't have Brussels sprouts and cauliflower and broccoli and spinach. All that stuff doesn't exist in Japan. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you're a peasant somewhere in China, probably the same thing. Those roots or I mean the, the, the higher level, higher nutrient nutrition value foods were not as available. Oh, right. depending on where you lived. Right? Sure. And, um, and so also no medical care. So I probably have worms. Probably have worms. I'm not eating a lot. I'm probably an average weight of your average peasant, like 112 pounds, mm. 120 pounds. That's what basically, you know, that's according to uh, historical studies. And I come and I say, I'm going to be a fighter. Let's say, obviously, shallow monk. So let's put the monk stuff aside. But, you know, let's say you're a fighter. So mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You teach me how to fight, I'll probably, you know, fall over and die. Mm-hmm. So you have to condition me first. You have to make my body ready to learn how to fight. And and that's actually what most of the time we do in our academy, in any any martial academy, is like you kind of get a little bit conditioned first before you go in the deep end of the pool. Your body has to be ready to take the grind. Right. And this is true today. But people are much more resilient because we eat better. Although, obviously, in America, there's a sedentary lifestyle. But generally speaking, we, we have a lot of protein. Our bone density is larger. Um, we can produce more muscles because we have better nutrition as kids. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we don't have – and we have medical care. So I am pretty healthy compared to my counterpart in ancient Asia right. or even Europe, uh, you know, five, six hundred, seven hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So what – but even today, if I if you walked into my academy, well, what we do is we, we – have to condition you a little bit before we put you in the deep end because the the first time if I put you in sparring on the first day you'd strain your back you'd you know probably you know pull a muscle in your back and, mm-hmm. and that would be, even be light sparring right I mean you felt the choke I put on you and you're like oh that sucks four days to get over yeah right well imagine imagine <laughs> if you did a like a five round sparring match against someone who was pretty good no but you, I, when I took hurt. I took uh, classes and I was hitting the heavy bag mm. my first day they just throw me into a heavy bag and I literally could not open my hand the next day right, right. I couldn't open it right exactly no so you see exactly what yeah. I'm saying so what does the Shaolin monk do in the beginning he's like okay do these forms on your own 
do this other stuff here, and that'll slowly get you conditioned. And you know what? We'll build in some martial art movement too, but actually most of the forms, I can speak for the karate tradition, but most of the traditional forms actually emphasize dynamic breathing, which is a a very important part of health, Mm -hmm. dynamic breathing, and a little bit of other stuff. So they're actually like learning to breathe with movement, kind of like yoga. So you know how yoga is like, there's always breathe in, breathe out, stretch. That's really the origin of that stuff, where it's fighting, but it's also training your, conditioning your body to move in ways. And there's a bit of also what's also known as dynamic tension, where you're like this, and you really tense up. But it, it's mm-hmm. like kind of like training your muscles in a way to work uh, with the self-imposed resistance. So you're not like damaging yourself with like weights that you can't wait, mm-hmm. but you're using a little bit of dynamic tension, dynamic breathing, and you're, you're doing aerobic fitness and conditioning. And okay, Six months later, I can start teaching you a good diet, some conditioning. Okay, six months later, I can start teaching you actually how to do some stuff. But I can't teach you how to do some stuff when you're physically you're dying. You're, 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 you're <laughs> like you're like crap. You're so on the edge of death. Yeah. So that is according in the Japanese traditions. Um, most most karate styles had very few katas, and the, they they had their house katas. What happened was when the styles got amalgamated. Uh, uh, and went to the Japan and then to the West, they picked up all these extra styles. And there was a bit of commercialism too because, you know, you learn a kata, you pay me 50 bucks more. Oh, I teach another one, you pay me 100 bucks more mm-hmm. and it's a way to make money too. Um, but that, that's not the only reason. But but they, 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 were, they were exercise regiments. They were not fighting regiments. Mm. And, okay. um, and they're not designed to be fighting regiments. They're designed to be like kind of a combination of yoga and a little bit of, you know, cardio kickboxing, ancient cardio kickboxing, right? Or even you could say a little bit of shadow boxing because there's some reality there, a little bit. But the same reality you would have by, like I said, cardio kickboxing or shadow boxing, that you have to spar with a person to really know how to fight. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's the origin of those forms. And, but then as time went on, like I said, they become more performance oriented mm-hmm. and they become an end in and of itself. And, um, you know, the amount of forms you know becomes a badge of honor. And the amount you can kind of make them look really cool becomes a badge of honor. The more acrobatic-y type things you can do or esoteric things you can do becomes a badge of honor hmm. versus actual fighting combat. Interesting. Yeah. And um, the other thing is when, you, when you're on that performance side, the cultural signifier side, the that that when we're talking as a semiotics, those, those signals that say I'm a warrior or I'm a this or I'm, I'm part of this in-group, when you're on that side, you don't search for efficiency. That's not the MMA world. The MMA world's like, I don't care what you think about me. You're like, like, like uh, Conor McGregor, fuck all you motherfuckers. I kick your sh- you put a guy in front of me, I kick his <laughs> shit out of him. You know, like, you know, you know, it's like, remember what he said? Yeah. I, like, I hate Conor McGregor, but it was kind of funny. He's like, you know, uh, for all those guys, it's something, something, something. He looked like he was going to apologize. He goes, and fuck you. <laughs> like, he doesn't give a shit about what people think about him, you know? Yeah. And, and there's so many fighters like that, right? It's about what do you did at the end of the day? Do you win or lose? Mm-hmm. Now, when we're in this ancient world, and there's forms and that there's no search for the objective of winning at all costs all the time because not everybody's getting into street fights every day or training in fights every day. They're not. That's not what happened. Mm-hmm. The objective of Shaolin monks was to be monks first and do a little bit of self-protection later. And also, like we were talking about before, if they were going to fight, they're mostly focused on weapons. So the hand-to-hand was like, uh, okay, we do these weapons first and the hand-to-hand later. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of moves 
that uh, are not efficient. They are just not efficient. And could they fo- could they work? Like Daniel Cormier, not efficient, but sometimes it works, right? Could mm-hmm. they work? Now I'm going to show you a move, and there's a big article, and I'm going to see if I can find it. I, I read it along. I'm going to show you a move. It's from a traditional kung fu move, and this this article talked about this journalist who went to in China, and he's an MMA guy, and he looked at this this um kung fu move, and he trained with him, and he was surprised that the kung fu move did work on him, mm-hmm. and he asked the kung fu master. Now hold on, let me let me uh, let me show you the move, okay? Before I do, okay. So it looks like this. Pulling a rabbit out of a hat or something. Yeah, yeah, and it has a weird arm twist to it. So, uh-huh. guys, you can't see the move, but basically, it's sort of like an uppercut uh, with my front hand, but you do almost a three sixty twist of your hand, and it can go under people's guards, right? And he said, he said to the master, because the master caught him with it, right? They were sparring a little bit, and the master caught him with it, or I don't know if they were sparring, but they, he was like, hmm, that looks interesting, works. He's like, how long did it take you to master that move? He said, I had to practice this every single day. To get it first, not to master it in sparring, but to get it. He said, I just practice this every single day for like 10 years because it's so unnatural body movement. Mm-hmm. It's unnatural body movement. Let me repeat that, unnatural body movement. So it's not searching for efficiency. And if you look at Kung Fu, a lot of Kung Fu, not you know, that depends on the style, but a lot of them are based on like, okay, tiger style, animal style. Mm-hmm. They're being, they're being, um, uh, they get inspiration from the animal world rather than the human world. Right. Gorillas don't jab and bob and weave. <laughs> now, not to say that some martial art moves are universal in mammals. Like, I actually saw a kangaroo choke out another kangaroo with a, with a rear naked choke. Oh like, that's, God. yeah. I'll, I'll say in the video, it's pretty crazy. But so there's some universality between, between mammals or marsupials or whatever. Um, and, but uh, at the same time, this is not a natural movement. And he's training his body, this, this martial artist is training his body to, to do a non-natural movement and make it functional. Mm-hmm. Why not just do a regular uppercut, which takes about, like I said, five minutes to learn. Now, a lifetime to master, sure. but five minutes to learn. But he, the other move is not efficient. It is against your entire body movement. And the, the master supposedly has all these like pains in his elbow and this and that. And it's just not an efficient move. It's not, why do you spend, you know, 10 years mashing this weird body movement when you could just do something else more efficient? Mm-hmm. The same thing is, and um, uh, uh, there was a, there's a, you ever heard of the movie um, uh, Iron and Silk? It came out in the 80s. Um, I think I've heard of it. Yeah, it's actually kind of a cool it. movie. It's this yeah. white guy goes to China, learns Kung Fu, you know, everything, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Cool story. But he, the, he's an actual real guy, and his master in the movie is a real guy. And his master, this style, was to smash. The first thing you do, the very first day of your style, is you smash your hand against a rock, and you break all the bones in your knuckle. All right. Then you reset it as like a natural brass knuckle. Ugh. Now, you have a club that, you have brass knuckles now, basically. Well, can you tie your own shoes anymore? No, you can't. Exactly <laughs> right. The amount you can't use your hands anymore. Yeah. So that it could be effective. Very could be effective. I could cut my wrist off and replace it with two hammers. You know, like like or, or you know like a like a Evil Dead, like the, the chainsaw, yeah, right? Chainsaw. Yeah, chainsaw, right? I could do that. Is it effective? It could be, but it is not efficient. And a lot of traditional martial arts, because they were in that performance world in the kata world and not testing every single day like the mma world they also 
miss the search for efficiency. They're, they miss it. And uh, the same with the combative world we were talking about last podcast. And the most important thing, the thing that I love about MMA the most is that it dispenses with everything and it says what is the most efficient way to destroy or deconstruct another human being. And that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, like you said, there's rule stoppage rules, these weird rules that referee stoppage mm-hmm. or, you know, stand-ups, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's still pretty much that. Yeah. Now, I, I do prefer the old rules where it's just like two men in, one man out. You know, everything goes, you know, fine. I love that. Right. That's but but you know, even MMA with these rules is still more more towards that than the artificial worlds that we had in the eighties or, you know, these 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 other worlds that were, were focused on, like I said, performance or any of these other cultural signifiers. And, uh, and we also, even a thousand years ago, we, we had you know, an orientation in the Asian martial arts, but probably, probably not even just the Asian martial arts, other martial arts, where it was like, well, you're not fighting every day. And you're certainly not fighting hand-to-hand every day. So you do these tricks, tricks. And actually, the word for technique in Japanese is waza, which is also kind of like a word for trick. Right, and that's the way it was translated. It wasn't like, "Oh, this is this cool technique." It was like, "Here's this trick," mm-hmm. and it wasn't systematic, and it wasn't necessarily efficient. It was just a trick, hmm. and um, and that trick, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it's not. Who knows if it's efficient? And one of the the, the most one of the most influential guys in the martial arts was Jigoro Kano, the founder of judo. And from judo came Russian sambo. From Russian sambo came uh, from from judo came Brazilian jiu jitsu. All these arts and. The key function that these arts have, the same with boxing, even though it's not from that tradition, but the key thing they have is like, we will always focus on maximum efficiency, maximum efficiency, and efficiency in this combative realm. And MMA has looks for the efficiency in throwing, it looks for the efficiency in striking, and it looks for the efficiency in submissions. And it doesn't matter what style you come from, it doesn't matter like... Of anything, none of that matters. It, you know, you're not performing to anyone. Mm-hmm. You're not performing to the crowd. I mean, obviously, to some extent, you are after the fight. You know, to sell tickets sure. and stuff. But in the fight itself, it's <laughs> it's less performance and more just get the job done. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's that's really important. And it's it's this why MMA is the most important development. Wow! In the fighting world, unarmed, ever. Mm-hmm. There's more developed in the last 20 years because we got away from all that other kata crap and the, 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 those weird meme cultural signifiers. All the like, that is all gone. It's like, put up or shut up. Can you fight? And right. that is a great thing. Now, some traditional martial arts may not like the MMA world, but you cannot deny its effectiveness. It, yeah. You cannot deny its effectiveness and its efficiency. It's efficiency. And hopefully Daniel Cormier will grow to be more efficient in the striking like he is in the grappling and mm-hmm. the takedown era, you know? Wow. Anyway, that's my, that's my take on that and how I was inspired to, by the Olympics. And Very interesting. I am excited to see where um, we are 20 years from now. Yeah, if yeah. there's been such advancements and changes in, in the last 20 years, what's going to happen in the next? I, I, I'm so glad you said that because that is absolutely true. Like, you don't, it's, it's evolving constantly and you're like, mm-hmm. wait, what we knew five years ago is outdated and, and what's it going to be in 10, 20 years? It's, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. John Jones, stop doing drugs. We need you to advance the sport. <laughs> no, he, and you know, it's funny because I hate him, his character, what he does outside, but he is, I steal his stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. I steal it. I'm like, that is great. Just don't I, steal his stuff because <laughs> he gets territorial. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
right. Well, you know, I wait till he hits people with their car and runs away from it. And you just go back yeah, and yeah, grab yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to do it when he's not looking. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you, Coach Renee, for coming by and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. I hope you weren't too bored, Matt. Uh, never bored. See, so guys, Engaged. I have to tell you something. Last week, I was, I was, we were talking about combatives, and I, and I saw Matt's eyes droop and get really tired. I'm like, shoot, I better, I better wrap this up because he's Sometimes getting. Sometimes I, I just get tired. No, I, I think, I think I bored you. I think day. I bored you. You want to, you want to talk about the, you know, the Ultimate Fighter type, you know, <laughs> you know, the fun stuff. You want, you're like, I don't want to talk about like this detailed discussion. Let's talk about of, the fun stuff now. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out and a thank you oh, to right, right, one right, of right. our biggest fans on Instagram right now, uh, Anthony Pettis. Showtime. Thanks for liking all our stuff on Instagram. Uh, come on the show, man. If you're listening. You are listening. I know you're listening. Come on the show. Um, and Anthony Pettis and his brother Sergio, two guys who are melding the, the efficiencies, the efficiencies that Taekwondo does have mm-hmm. with the efficiencies of Muay Thai and the efficiencies of Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling. They're, they're, um, did you see you know, the, the one he kicked off the wall and he kicked? Yeah. Him? Yeah, I mean, that is unbelievable. We got a lot to talk about, guy. Yeah. Come on in here. Yeah. Amazing Pettis, guy. Amazing uh, guy. Bring, bring your knowledge. I know you're going to be in the city uh, in a couple months at the, the fight in, in Brooklyn. So come and check it out. Yeah. Um, thanks to meet him. Thanks to everybody who's listening and sharing and liking the show. Uh, make sure you rate us on iTunes and tell your friends. And we'll see you uh, same, same uh, bat time, same bat, bat channel, channel next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys.